And I feel like the preacher for the hour in this service tonight. Let's make welcome our friend, Brother L.C. Treadway. I love you, brother. Well, I certainly feel welcomed and I feel good about being here. And if we shut down right now and pray to benediction, we've had church. So that's a real comfort to the preacher. See, there's no way we can goof up. We've already done good. Amen. And it's so nice to see so many friends here tonight. We love Merle and Joan Ewan, and over here in Louisiana, my name is Buck. Over in Texas, it's Charles. And when my mother used to get uh, on my case, it was Lonnie Charles. That was a rather frightening thing when I heard her call me Lonnie Charles Treadway. I wanted to go put on another pair of blue jeans. So it wouldn't hurt too bad. Isn't it good to be in the house of God? Praise God. Um, I was glad to see Momo you in here tonight. So beautiful to see her right up on the front, still worshiping God and loving God. And... uh, Glad to see these Wilkins. Man, I've been knowing them a long, long time. I knew them before they ever came here to Lake Charles. And so our friendships are tied here tonight. Beautiful girl. And a um, couple of boys met us out at the car. Her name is Leah. And I asked her if her job was to just stand by those boys to help their looks. (laughs) She enhanced the whole scenery here. Beautiful girl and looks so godly and, and just looks like a Christian. Isn't that wonderful? It's a wonderful thing. Yes. She's my chauffeur. Somebody called me while we're in route here, and they said, where are you? I didn't tell my church I wouldn't be here tonight or at their place tonight. And somebody called me and said, where are you? I said, I'm riding in a nice car with a beautiful woman. And we're headed out of town and even out of state. (laughs) So Beth is my oldest daughter, and I want you to know buddy, we're tight. We're tight. Uh, She's married to Jeffrey Clem, a cardiologist in Beaumont. And I tell Jeff every chance I get, I said, you know, for her to be such a beautiful little old girl in my first one, I said, it's just a miracle that I didn't spoil her. (laughs) And old Jeff kind of gets a funny look on his face 
like he thinks I'm in la-la land <clears throat> trying to brag on something that's not true. Well, I'm going to tell you what. God's in this house tonight. Amen. God is in this house, and I certainly petition him that I can be in his will tonight. Like to get this old treadway man out of the way and let God have his way. Amen. Let's pray and ask God to work in this place through the preaching of the word. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise the living God. Oh, hallelujah. 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 If you have your Bibles, and I won't keep you standing so long, if you have your Bibles, I'd like to invite you to turn with me tonight to the book of Ecclesiastes. The book of Ecclesiastes, and I'd like to read just a few verses to you out of the third chapter. Um, Brother Ewan heard me preach a message maybe a couple of years ago and he has told me over and over he said when you come I want you to preach that message I'm honoring him tonight to try to preach that message we're coming out of Ecclesiastes number 3 and verse number 1 to everything I would like for you to do responsive reading tonight. That'll get you involved in this preaching. All right. All right. I'll do verse number one and you can catch on to two and we'll alternate. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. Read. A time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up. Read. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, and a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing. Read. A time to rend, and a time to sow and a time to keep silence, and a time to speak. One more, read. 
All right. God bless you. You may be seated. Is God moving over here? A little weak. What's God doing right here? Is anybody in revival over here? Is revival going on here? What about you guys? Hallelujah. I never shall forget. Now, I, I need to tell you that um, I've had all kinds of requests to come even to other states and preach this message. But your pastor is the only one I've ever honored. I've never preached it a second time. But I never shall forget when God initially started dealing with me about this message. In response to God's communing and talking to my heart, I said, now God, I'm between a rock and a hard place. And I said, for me to preach this message is um, going to violate a lot of my tradition. First thing that happened uh, I just kind of read these scriptures to you. I don't have a text. This is the only message I've ever preached in my life, that I don't have a text. There's not a text in the Bible to fix, fit this message. And when God spoke to my heart the subject, I said, now look out, God. He, he gave me the subject, the title of a Western or a country song. And he said, use the subject. You picked a fine time to leave me, Lucille. Pretty interesting subject. So I said, God, here I've got a subject from a worldly song, and I'll be criticized for that. And I said, I don't have a text. I just read those scriptures to you because people expect you to read out of the Bible. <laughs> but as far as really having a text, I don't have one. There's not one in the Bible to fit this message. Of you picked a fine time to leave me, Lucille. Um, when I told God that, just interacting with him in devotion and prayer, he said, uh, there is a preacher in the Bible that I had to marry a harlot. I said, well, thank God you didn't have me to do that. <clears throat> uh, 
And he said, uh, what do you think about Paul? I said, I love Paul the apostle. He said, well, one of the grandest messages he ever preached, he used the subject from a heathenistic altar. One of the grandest messages Paul ever preached. He latched on to the subject, the altar to the unknown God. And he latched on to that and said, I'm going to reveal to you who he is. But any way you want to cut it, uh, that altar was not a Pentecostal altar. It was a heathenistic altar. Probably of all the places God's ever let me visit in my life, I don't know if anything ever touched me like going to Mars Hill. It moved me to stand there on Mars Hill and realize what transpired in the ministry of the Apostle Paul on that setting. Now, the reason that I don't have a text and I just read these passages to you, the man that is responsible for these words that I read to you, he says, to everything. Everybody say everything. To everything, there is a season. And of course, of course, you reach back to this, to everything there is a time and to everything there is a purpose. And then he starts to unfold all of that, a time to be born and a time to die. And uh, he talks about the planting and the plucking up and a time to kill time to heal and break down and a time to build up and there's a time to just break down and weep and then there is a time to laugh sometimes you get worried about people that's laughing when they've got all the reason in the world to be weeping and I'm concerned about people that weep when they should be laughing But in these days that we're living, the early days of the 21st century, there is a raging disease and it's rampant in the world, it's rampant in this country and, and it affects the church, even the true church. One psychologist made the statement. He said, uh, the, the disease that is over and beyond epidemic proportions in our day, it has to do with a disease that is called the quince. Oh God. Oh God. 
There has never been a move in this country where so many men are walking off and leaving their homes and their families. What really got my attention was uh, a news item that I read that said in the last decade they did a study on the 100 largest Sunday schools in this country and churches that were out front and really getting the job done and they said that that at the conclusion of that decade that 25% of those pastors of the most out front dynamic churches in the United States, we're not just talking about Pentecostal, we're talking about everybody, said 25% of them had left the ministry. So they're not leaving because of uh, failure. It is actually a disease that is rampant in our world. It seems like it's contagious. And people have something that triggers in them to make them want to quit and just desert their responsibilities. And what I want to preach to you tonight is that in those eight verses that's supposed to cover every facet of life, every aspect of life, every level of life, every age of life, from being born to warfare, in those eight verses and nowhere else in the Bible, are we ever instructed that it's a proper time to quit? You have to hang in there. When God calls you, hang in there through thick and thin and don't let anything interfere with your relationship with God and the call of God that's on you. Oh, hallelujah. It's so essential for us to understand that. It's so essential. God never, hey, when he, when he ordained and dreamed up marriage, he said what God has put together what he's joined together. Let not man put asunder. It's never appropriate. Even though there may be some loopholes, even in the Bible, and I told a part of that just this week. I told a man in my office Saturday evening, I said, you have given your wife a Bible Justified reason 
to terminate this marriage because you have violated the principles of marriage that gives her opportunity to put you away. But I said, God's best plan is to keep it together. Even though God grants that, like Moses said, even though God grants it, it's more positive to keep it together. There's never any reason for you to walk off and leave God and to walk off and leave the church. Never. I had a precious lady in my church that lived with a man that was constantly involved in a double lifestyle. He was married to her and she'd hear little rumors and as we'd say over in Southeast Texas, she'd hear scuttlebutt about that he was cheating on her and misbehaving with members of the, of the female gender. Sometimes we're living in a day now to where you just thank God they're dealing with females. Can, it can get worse. But I never will forget one day when she stopped me and wanted to visit. And she said, I've known that he's been involved in this kind of behavior for a long time. And she said, I now have the dead wood on him said, there's a woman out of this city that called me and, and uh, revealed to me his misbehaving. And she said, I am going to walk away from that marriage. He had dealt her so much misery. And when she dropped all that on me, she said, what do you think about it? I said, I think you could uh, leave him. But I said, just some way in my heart, I think you'd be a fool to do it. She said, I can't believe you said that. I said, well, I did. And I just stretched out my hand there and laid it on her and prayed for her. And the very next time I saw her, she said, would you believe he has come in from the doctor and he's got terminal cancer? He's dying. I said, and look what a tragic mistake you'd have made if you'd have walked away. I said, you're not even going to believe what God's going to do. Man, I stood there as the pastor and I watched that man get sick. I watched him turn to God. I watched God forgive him. I watched God fill him with the Holy Ghost. And I watched him go right on ahead and die and left her all his fortune. <laughs> Got all of his insurance. 
got all of his retirement. She didn't have to share it with any hussy. Hey, I'm telling you, God honors somebody with some stickability. It's never, never appropriate to walk away from God. God loves people that anchor down and hang in there through thick and thin and just love him when you don't even understand and let God have his perfect way in your life. God is such an awesome God. I'm telling you, he does things right. Probably one of the most disturbing things that I have ever read out of this Bible was in the Gospel of Luke. And to understand what happens inside of the mind of humanity. One of the saddest stories that you will ever encounter in or out of the Bible. It starts in the 13th verse of the last chapter of Luke. And behold... Uh, Verse number 13, and behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about three score furlongs. Now, I've made that trip two or three times. And the first time I went to Emmaus, I got there. In the, in the evening when the shadows were stretched out real, real long. And it, it made me weep just to remember these two men that journeyed to Emmaus. They had, they had suffered anguish of their mind because it looked like that everything they sold out to and everything they had committed themselves to, it looked like that it had fallen apart on them. They had cashed in everything and and elected to just follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And right in the middle of being enthusiastic about following him, we went through that terrible trial Betrayal, crucifixion, Jesus died on the cross. The men that should have ministered to his dead body did not. Two strangers, two secret disciples came and recovered his body and and gave him some kind of a decent entombment. And these two disciples are walking to Emmaus and I want you to know they've got a bad case of the quits. And all the way to Emmaus, 
these two men are in a contest. One of them is trying to see how far he can pull the other one down. And when he pulls him down as far as he can, the other one says, man, I believe I can pull you down farther. And, and they're interacting, talking about how disappointed they are and how sad they are and how things have just come loose at the ends for them. And, and they're, they're so disappointed and so disillusioned and they're headed back to Emmaus to just give up. But can I tell you what happened? They said in the 21st verse, when Jesus had joined them and they didn't have a clue who he is. Jesus had joined them. It was time for him to join them because they were about ready to jump off of the curb. And, and they looked at him and said, we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all of this, today is the third day. They had every reason to shout, but they were down and out. They had every reason to laugh, but they were crying. They had every reason to be optimistic, but they were down and out. They said, today is the third day. And when that came out of their mouth, they should have started dancing like these people were dancing up here a while ago. Because Jesus had proclaimed to them and prophesied that on the third day, On the third day, I'm coming out of that grave. And on a day that they should have been celebrating the victory, they were down and out. You know, I figured out a long time ago that if I ever quit, I'd probably do something just that stupid. It looks like if they had made up their mind to quit, they would have quit on the day of crucifixion. They quit on the day of resurrection. You picked a fine time to walk out, Lucille. Of all the days that you could have left. My brother was telling me just the other day, my baby brother and my only brother, he, uh, he deals in some property sometimes, and, and he said, I just did the stupidest thing. I said, what did you do? He said, in a terrible part of town. said, I bought 20 acres. said, the reason I bought it was because it was so cheap. And he said, I held on to it for a few days and said, somebody aggressed me and wanted it. And said, I was able to double my money, so I was just jumping through my socks to, to uh, double my money on that property. He said, I had no more than sold that property that all these poor people, down and outers, that had bought it, said they came out driving Jaguars. 
at Mercedes Benz and wearing high dollar suits of clothes. He said, I sold 20 acres that's got more oil under it than probably any 20 acres in Louisiana. I don't know about you, but I'm not going to sell my place in God. Hey, he brought me in here and I'm going to hang in here. You can't offend me out. You can't freeze me out. You can't run me out. I got a chance to get in on this and I'm here to stay. He said, I wish to God Almighty I would have at least reserved the mineral rights. But said in the part of town it was in, I thought it was a lost cause. And for me to double my money, I was jumping up and down just to unload that place. That's what these guys going to Emmaus did. It was the third day. And it came out of their mouth. Hey, man, they were coming out of the valley. They were coming out of the storm. They were coming out of the maze. Uh, everything was just about to take shape. What in the world happens to humanity to make them want to cash in when it's just about to really get good? God help us. They jumped out just before the day of Pentecost. Just before the whole drama of the ages was about to take motion. They bailed out and jumped out. Hey, let me tell you, friend, I'm in here. I'm going to stay. I want to see how all this turns out. I know everything with God turns out positive. It turns out in victory. My God never goes down in defeat. He doesn't know how to do anything but win. My God's an achiever. He's victorious and he wins on every setting. I am he that liveth. And was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And that means so be it. Perpetually, we are still living in the very midst of the third day. Because I want you to know that third day was uh, the, the deciding point of moving from law to grace. And it was not a 24-hour day, but it was an epoch. We moved into an age. And for anybody to walk out of here and quit right now, you're walking out on the day of Pentecost. You're walking out on the eve of the rapture. You're walking out when it's just about to really get good. My, 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 my. It is incredible how humanity can make such tragic blunders in serving God and 
did you know that there are preachers that go through that same thing? Man, brother and sister Ewan, it's not all been high and victorious every day here. You got to ride out that downtime and just hang in here because victory's coming tomorrow. Hey, I may be down today, but tomorrow I'll be up. Jesus may be in the grave now, but he'll be resurrected tomorrow. I may be sick today, but God's gonna heal me tomorrow. And I'm gonna be here when it all unfolds. What if, just, just think of this, what if two minutes before daylight or before midnight, what if Paul would have gained the attention of that Philippian jailer and said, hey, bud, I've suffered long enough. These stripes you laid on my back, my shirt's glued to it. And when I'm trying to clap my hands, it hurts. And I'll tell you what, if you'll, if you'll do something for me, I believe I'm going to walk out of here. I'm in here over this wonderful apostolic Jesus name message. Sister, you and I have tried to pastor people that walk out just two minutes. They walk out two minutes before all heaven comes down. Man, when you don't understand what's going on, stick in there. When, when your life is not making sense, hang in there. Hang in there from the back of this auditorium to the front. Hey, God put you here. God positioned you here. My anticipation about these days that we're living in makes me want to stay and see what happens. My, 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 my. Can you imagine cashing in on the eve of Pentecost. Man, that reaches all the way back to the first chapters of Genesis where it was prophesied that the Lord was going to come and bruise the head of Satan. Man, it all reaches back to there. And, and you and I, God, has brought us to a season of time like we're in right now. And, and there's no scriptural reference that ever okays you to quit. You got to hang in here and let God do his perfect work. My Lord, help us. I never will forget back when I was probably 16 years old and brother Ewan has already told you that I didn't come to God early. When I was 16 years old, I was so far from God. I didn't have any interest in serving God. 
One time when I was 12 years old, a preacher frightened me preaching, and I went to the altar, and some saints gathered around me and said, hey, God's going to fill you with the Holy Ghost. I said, I don't want it. I said, I'm down here because I'm scared. But about 16 years old, I will never forget it the longest day I live. I was in our home in Jonesboro, Louisiana, there on Cooper Avenue. And my bedroom was up on the front part of that house. There was a little old foyer between my bedroom and the living room where we received our guest. And I had been there in that bedroom doing something. It was about the middle of the day. And there was a knock on the door. I, I went to answer the door, and one of the very finest ladies that my dad had ever pastored was standing at that door. Her name was Irene. I never will forget this as long as I live. She said, is your father home? I said, I believe he is. And she said, would you see if I could visit with him and maybe even with your mom? I said, I'm sure that can happen. And I brought her into the living room and got her situated and I dismissed myself and went back to my room. And when my dad walked into that living room, I will never forget what I heard. She said, Pastor, I love you and Sister Treadway. I care about you. You've been my pastor all these years. And she said, I have enjoyed teaching my Sunday school class. And I've had that position for a long time. But she said, and I noticed when I let her in, she had her Sunday school book and record books and everything. And she said, I have brought my Sunday school book, my record books, and I just wanted to be mature about it and come here and let you know that I'm walking out. I'm quitting. My dad said, um, I can't believe this. He said, what, what's making you want to quit? She said, you know, my family, my husband, Bill, and she had a, a beautiful little old girl about my age that won every beauty contest in town. She was a beautiful girl. And they had other children. And she said, I'm so tired of the fight. I'm just tired of enduring. And she said, there's so much conflict in our home. She said, I bring the kids one Sunday and Bill hauls them off to something else. Three and four Sundays out of the month. I might get them once a month. And they go and enjoy the things that they indulge in without me being a part of it. And she said, we're split, we're divided. And she said, I just made up my mind today that I'm done. 
And I've come here to just bring my books and I quit. And I was in my room. I thought, boy, it'll be interesting to see how my dad handles this. And I'll never forget it. He said, Sister Irene, he said, um, do you really love me as much as you say? Oh, she said, I do. Said, I have so much confidence in you. I'd rather hear you preach. I've enjoyed being in this church. And it's nothing like that. I'm just tired and I give up. And my dad said, uh, Sister Irene, if you love me as much as you say you do, would you grant me one request? And she said, I will. He said, I want you to take this Sunday school book back and take this record book back. Said, I've never asked anything out of you that's unreasonable. And said, this is not unreasonable. He said, I want you to teach that class. It was on Saturday. And he said, I want you to teach this class tomorrow. And on Monday, you can bring the book to me. She said, that is more than fair and more than reasonable. And she said, I'll do that. I pondered that all evening. I thought... What's the difference in quitting on Saturday and giving it all up on Monday? I said, where's the intelligence in that? Where's the wisdom? I thought my daddy was a weirdo. But, you know, I, I brought myself to church the next day, and I'll never forget what I saw. I saw Irene open that front door to that church and I watched old Bill walk in and I watched that little old beauty queen walk in and I watched all those children walk in and what had happened she got up that morning as she always did and when she fixed breakfast, Bill hollered at her and he said, Irene, do I have a clean suit? She said, you do? He said, what about my shoes? Are they okay? She said, Bill, where are you going? He said, Irene, I'm tired of the struggle in this house. He said, I've not done you right. I've not done these kids right. And said, I'm getting dressed. I'm going to look as good as I can. And I'm going to church with you today. And all these kids are going. That happened over hanging in there just one more Just one more day. I was sitting in the back of that church. When I saw Bill walk in, I thought, oh, my God, what in the world is going on? 
She got him all situated there in that sanctuary, and she went downstairs to the Sunday school department and taught her class. When she got back up, I saw him talking, and you could hear it. He said, Irene, why have you been hiding this from me? He said, this man of God said, I've never heard anything in my life like this. He said, I'll never miss another Sunday. My soul needs this. My mind needs this. I watched him go down in the water and get baptized in Jesus' name. And all those kids got the Holy Ghost and lived for God many, many, many years. And all of that came about just hanging in one more day. Just one more day. The enemy is going to try to slip you out just before you get a breakthrough. Just before something positive unfolds. Just before it gets so good you can't hardly stand it. The enemy is going to try to uh, edge you out of here. Somebody needs to make up their mind. I'm going to live for God through thick and thin, through ups and downs, what I understand and what I don't understand. Oh, hallelujah. There is something God loves about somebody that says, I'm going to hang in here. I'm going to hang in here. I have tried to pastor some ladies in my life that if their three boys was facing Nebuchadnezzar's fiery furnace, they'd come see me and say, you know, I won somebody to God back in 1947 and I paid my tithes and I've been rather faithful to the house of God and if this is what I'm going to get out of it, I believe I'll drag up Man, when you're looking at a fire furnace and you don't know what to do, stand. Just keep standing. Hey, I'm telling you, a fire furnace is not any big deal to God. It may be a big deal to somebody, but it's not to God. He knows what to do with it. When you've got an anchoring spirit, a staying spirit, God knows how to work for that and to work with that, having done all you can do to stand. Just keep standing. What did Moses say to Israel? Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. If those people had not been responsive to that leader, we wouldn't even have the miracle of the crossing of that Red Sea. When you hang in there, God is going to open up a way for you. 
And God is even able to take your problem and make it a pathway of victory. And let it close in on your enemies and bring you victory that people will hardly even know how to classify it and how to talk about it and how to allude to it. And it all comes about when people stand. When they just stand. When I look back on my life and I realize how many days and opportunities that I could have quit and I could have walked out People get discouraged when their kids don't live for God. Man, join the club. We've all had trouble with our kids. But when that happens, what you've got to do is stand. God doesn't know how to lose. I've never spent one day in my life trying to prepare a speech of concession. You don't have to learn how to to give a speech that will justify your defeat. When you stand, you need to work on a speech of victory because God is going to help you win and achieve and come through in great victory. Oh, hallelujah. Our God, he does not know how to fail. He does not know how to let you down. These two old boys from Emmaus, they were so upset, they didn't even recognize Jesus Christ. And they prevailed on him and constrained him to come in, still not knowing who he is. I wondered for years how they ever recognized him. And finally dawned on this old thick-headed boy one day, I've even read some commentaries that said it was the process and the method and the way that he broke that bread. Not true. When he picked up that bread to break it, they saw those nail prints. It drew attention to his hands. And then all that third day stuff started making sense. Oh, they said, we've made a real blunder here. We're quitting on a day that's a good day to get started. And I'm telling you, things turned around for them. And that day of defeat, that day of termination, that day of walking away turned into unspeakable victory. Hey, that's what God has for this church right here. You've got victory in front of you that will astound you. You've got victory for your family, victory for the city, victory for the neighbor, victory for who you work with. It's nothing in store for you but victory. Anybody that walks out on God at any time, you picked a good, a, a good time to leave me, Lucille. It doesn't matter when you walk out. 
it's a bad time. The best thing you can do is just say, hey, Lord, I'm here. I'm here. I can't necessarily figure out exactly what's going on, but you can count on me. I'm going to ride this out and see how this valley comes back out on top. I'm going to see how this furnace, this fiery furnace, I'll see how it works out. You know what's so funny about that fiery furnace? Old Nebuchadnezzar looked up there and he said, I'm a little startled. He said, I thought we threw three in. And he said, I see four. And they're loose and walking around in that fire. I know they had a better spirit than I do because when he summons them and said, hey, boys, come out here, I know they had a better spirit than I'd have because I would have said it's just as close to us as it is from us to you. Come in here where we are. I know that's what I would have done. But you know, those old boys, they complied. And when he wanted them to come out, they came out. But you know what thrills me about that story more than anything else? And it's helped me stay so many times. There's no record anywhere in the Bible where that fourth one went in. And there's no record where he ever came out. Do you know where he is? He's still in the fire. So when you go in there, you won't have to wait for him to get there. He's already there. Man, we're serving a God that lives in that fire. And it doesn't matter whose fire it is. He can live in Nebuchadnezzar's fire just as good as he can the Holy Ghost in fire. Our God is a triumphant God. He's a victorious God. And, and Nebuchadnezzar's fire can't burn him out. Oh, hallelujah. I feel like that I need to just open this altar area up here tonight for everybody that wants to come and make a fresh, brand new commitment and say, God, I want you to hear it from my soul. I'm not leaving. Nobody's going to run me out. Nobody is going to attract me. Or divert my attention and get me out of this wonderful, wonderful church and this move of God. Hey, I'm here. How many of you could raise your hand right now? Say it. A lot of the things I wanted to see happen, I've not seen it happen yet. There's a little lady in my church one of the grandest ladies in this world. And she's going through the fire right now. She's got two deaths in her family right now while I'm standing here. 
and another one just about to expire. Probably before daylight, she'll be facing three different funerals. And she's about 84 years old. But the last time I was in that prayer room where I laid hands on her and I said, God, this woman's got unfinished business. And she's staying. Hey, when you hang in here, God is going to help you finish all your unfinished business. I want to give uh, an invitation tonight to people that want to come and make a fresh, brand new commitment to God. God, you can count on me. I'm here to stay and watch the outcome. I'm going to rejoice before the victory comes, and I'm going to really get with it when the victory does come. The stand. Somebody that wants to make a fresh, brand new commitment and say, God, I'm here. I want the young people to come. Fathers to come. There may be somebody here living for God tonight with an unsaved spouse. Make your mind up that I'm going to hang in here. The enemy, if he can trick you out, he's going to see to it that he tricks you out just two seconds before sealed you picked a fine time a crazy time why'd you walk out there is no text there is no opportunity there's no word in this Bible that ever tells you it's time to quit he said you occupy until I come And, and the Word of God is not just a storybook. It is a book of principles. The way I always heard that preached about Occupy Till I Come, I've heard that preached all my life that that has to do with the rapture. It has to do with everything. Just stay busy and occupy until things turn out like you're expecting it to turn out. Until all your prayers are answered. Until you gain all the victory that you've been striving to gain. That's good. Give the Lord a big praise offering. My, 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 my. My, my, my. Victory, 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 victory. Oh, hallelujah. I mean, if you were just ready to see so many things that you have dreamed about and, and anticipation has just prevailed in you, how many of you are ready to see that unfold? Bill Abercrombie, he never knew that his wife missed knocking him clear out of the ring just by about 16 hours. All she had to do was stay faithful 16 more hours.
and everything she'd ever lived for, everything she'd ever dreamed about, it just unfolded. My Lord, you know we need to minister to the body tonight. You need to put your hand on somebody and say, God, give them so much sticking power Come on, lay your hand on somebody. I'm not going to let you give up. I'll never turn loose of you. We're going to win everything we've ever wanted. My, 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 my. Thank you. 